Well, hey friends, happy Sunday. It is awesome to be back with you two Sundays in a row now. Uh, I hope that you are doing really well this week. Uh, if we've never met, my name is Clay. I get to be honored being the lead pastor here at Next Level Church. And uh, someday, uh, I would love, if you haven't been here, to meet you in person. Well, we began a new series last week by asking this question. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? And I shared how that can be a critical question to ask in many areas of life. Um, maybe you ask it as it relates to some job that you've been at. Maybe you've been in that job far too long. Or, or maybe you need to ask it uh, about a relationship that you're in. Or maybe you need to ask it around the direction that your marriage seems to be going. Or maybe, uh, like I did, you need to ask it about what you're doing as a parent. It could be about anything. It could be about a sport that you play, a club that you belong to. Uh, you could even ask this question about, what am I doing financially? There are a lot of important areas of our life where we need to be asking that question, that type of question. And the reason is, is it drives us to making better decisions. It leads us to living lives with far more intentionality. And when we live lives with intentionality, we make better decisions, and we accomplish more. But not only is that an important question to, to ask around our career or around our relationships, around finances, it's critically important to ask that question around faith, about our relationship with Jesus. And it's vitally important to ask it about our involvement with Jesus's church. Because in asking the question, what am I doing here at this church, as we talked about last week, there is a lot at stake in how you answer that question. So last week, we looked at a time in the early church uh, where they kind of had this, what are we doing here moment. And at that time, James, the little brother of Jesus, had some amazing words to say when he wrapped this up in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. Look at what he says. He makes this incredibly powerful statement. He says, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. What James is saying is let's not make it difficult. Let's not keep the status quo. Let's not keep doing what we've always been doing. Let's not get so caught up in ourselves that we make it difficult for people to find Jesus. In fact, let's do everything in our power to make it easier for people to find life in Jesus. And those are important words for us to remember as a church. And it's the sentiment behind those words that led me to ask our staff and key ministry leaders to pray and ask the Holy Spirit what he would want them to be doing in their ministry to make it less difficult in 2023 for people where we live, work, and play to turn to God. And as I shared last week, our staff and leaders, they, they went away. This was back in August, and uh, they did just that. And about a month later, they came back with an amazing list of 96 different things they felt God wanted us to go after in 2023. I shared a few of those things last week, and I would encourage you, if you missed that message, you need to go back and watch that message uh, or one of the recaps that you can find out on YouTube. In short, we talked about pl our plans for uh, a mental health fund. Uh, how we want to help start five brand new churches. We want to make improvements to our kids and students areas. Uh, we want to develop helpful resources for families. We want to build a church in the Dominican Republic and, and start showing up in neighborhoods all around. Though we talked about that last week. And in all 96 of the items that are there, what I noticed 
is they fit into really three categories. Providing for people here, preparing for people not yet here, and pouring into people who will never be here. So today, what I want to do with our time is talk about those first two categories, providing for people here and preparing for people not yet here. And to do that, I want to go back to the question we started with last week, and it's this. What am I doing here as a Christian? As we think about that question, I want to go back to Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus was never confused about his what or his why. He was never confused about what he should be doing or why he was here. And if you have a Bible or you just want to pull it up on your Bible app on your phone, we're going to be looking at a couple of verses that illustrate this. And you can go to John chapter 4. Now, the context for what we're going to be looking at is that Jesus has just finished his conversation, his meeting with a Samaritan woman at the well. And during this meeting, Jesus lovingly takes time with this woman who is nothing like him and allows her to ask questions about faith, sometimes pretty biting questions. And over time, Jesus wins her over. And as they are wrapping up, the disciples, they return to where they left Jesus. And this is where we're going to pick up in verse 28. It says, the woman, this Samaritan woman, she's finished her conversation with Jesus. She left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So... The result of Jesus spending time with her, listening and answering questions without putting her down or explaining why she was all wrong, the result of that was she becomes an evangelist and runs to town and shares everything she had just experienced. So the text goes on in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. I love this about Jesus, and I love the next question the disciples ask because it kind of gives me the feeling that Jesus would occasionally play games with them, right? So he would tell them some things, you know, and they didn't always know where he was going with something. Look at what the disciples say in response to that in verse 33. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? So they begin to ask each other. It's like, wait a second, did someone feed him? It's like Jesus knew they would say this, because he's about to take that moment you know, where they think uh, it's about whether or not he ate something and turn it into an amazing teaching moment. And tucked inside these next words, we get to see the what and the why of Jesus coming to earth. He is about to state, yet again, his whole reason for being here. So it goes on in verse 34. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his Nourishment, or food, is what you need in order to work. Nourishment is what gives you strength for work. So Jesus is saying, I am strengthened to do what God has given me to do by doing what God has given me to do. My source of energy is found in doing God's will and finishing his work. And you say, well, what is God's work that, that needs to be finished? It's the very thing that he had just done. He has just come to a Samaritan village. And to the Jews, Samaritans were squarely in what you would call the them category, in this us versus them thing. They were them. 
They were hated. They were hated. And it went back some 700 years to when the nation of Israel was divided into the northern kingdom called Israel. They were conquered by Assyria who brought in Gentile colonists along with their idols to resettle the land. And the remaining Jews who were in the land who became the Samaritans, they began to mix the religions. So Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They were considered half-breeds or less than Jews. Jesus intentionally shows up to this group of people to show the disciples that he is just as for the thems of the world as he is for the Jews. And on top of that, he spends time with a woman. In Jesus' day, men in general, and rabbis especially in particular, did not publicly talk to women. And for many of them, it was not just out of convenience, but out of misogyny, the deep distrust or disrespect and dislike of women. So again, by Jesus talking with this woman, he is pointing out to the disciples that he is for people. He is for people that their church or their faith would have been seen as against. Then, it's like he holds out his arms to them and he says, hey, look at this crowd of Samaritan men and women. See all these people that are gathering, right? I can picture him doing this when he says in verse 35, I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. And what we see later in the text is that many Samaritans began to believe in Jesus and find eternal life. And that little phrase, eternal life, many times it gets simplified into living a life in heaven after you die. But its true meaning is much, much more. It is life that begins now, and goes on and on and on with no end. So eternal life is not about a destination. It is the quality of the life that goes on and on forever. It is a happiness, a satisfaction, a freedom, a confidence, a comfort, and humility that comes from Jesus. It's a life that stands outside of our circumstances, but brings joy and satisfaction internally. And this, Jesus says, is available through him. And he says that so many are looking for eternal life that it's like a field ripe for harvest. And then he ends verse 36 with this really amazing statement. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. If you have ever experienced what it's like to be involved in someone finding this rich and satisfying life of Jesus, you know the reality of the joy that Jesus is talking about. This was his what. When, when Jesus, if he were to ask the question, what am I doing here? He was clear. It was to do the will of the Father, and his will is that everyone find this eternal life. So let me ask you the question again. What am I doing here as a Christian? What am I doing here? And any answer that does not include going into the fields to plant or harvest is missing the point. We are called to join with Jesus and 2,000 years of history to finish the work of our Father, to bring the life-giving message that God loves us just as we are and his desire is to spend time with us and for us to spend time with him. And in doing so, we will experience a life that flows like a river through our soul. And from this story, what I want to do now is I want to take us back to the ministry goals that we feel God has given us in 2023. 
As I said, these goals to go out into the harvest are in three big, broad categories. Providing for people here, preparing for people not yet here, pouring into people who will never be here. And so let me zero in on those first two that are there. As we look at the fields that are ripe for harvest, as we head out into those areas, what are we doing to provide for people here and prepare for people not here? And I am so glad that this church, the one that you are a part of, was built on people whose answer to the what am I doing here question was built on doing the will of God to not make it difficult for anyone to turn to God. I'm so glad that 19 years ago, two pastors, each who had led very large churches, sat around a fire pit and asked, what are we doing here? And I'm so glad that their answer was to start a church for people who had given up on church or who had been hurt by church or who were successful in life but felt like something was missing or life had been cruel to them and were without much hope or were part of a church but that church just felt lifeless and without purpose. I am so grateful that a group of people 19 years ago would look out into the fields and see a harvest that was ripe and would leave their jobs and move their families here to start a church for people like you and people like me. Why? Because they connected their what am I doing here to the same mission Jesus had. They chose to step into the gap and sacrifice to do the will of God and finish his work, which is to bring eternal life to everyone that we lock eyes with. So, the groundwork has been laid for us as a church to care about those things or those people in our church and especially those around us who are not yet in our church. In fact, we have 67 items in our budget that I would put into these two categories. Let me give you a few of those. There are things like the facility improvements that I talked a little bit about last week. But we want to make improvements to all of our children's spaces which includes new flooring in our preschool building and all new flooring in our elementary large group room. It also includes a complete refresh of the decor that's in the elementary building. Uh, seven years ago, we remodeled that elementary space into the amazing design it is today, but now it's undergone seven years of wear and tear with kids, and it's in much need of an update. It also includes work in our student building. In 2019, we began an update of that building, and when COVID hit, that project had to be put on hold. So in 2023, we want to finish that project, putting in new flooring, upgrading the stage equipment, adding more student-friendly decor. We want to make those investments for the kids and the students we currently have, yes. But we also want to make those investments to show those who will come in the future, just by seeing those environments, how much we care and invest in what we would do for their child or their student. We also want to make some investments in staffing and internships inside of our kids and student ministries to prepare for both of those ministries to experience explosive growth in 2023. We want to invest in our high school seniors and our college students by providing outings and retreats designed to build their faith at a critical time in their life. We, we want to look at our college kids and say, hey, we want to take care of you and begin to send regular care packages to our college students, especially those that are away from home as well as celebrate milestones like college and high school graduations. We want to invest in more training for our life group leaders as well so that they uh, know how to better lead the people that are given to us. We want to host special events for life groups to cover topics that are relevant to the world that we live in. 
We want to improve our experience in this room, in our main auditorium experience. Uh, we want to improve our online experience with more lighting, additional cameras, a brighter, cleaner uh, LED screen and instead of the projection that we use now. We want to begin producing a version of our service that is designed for people with no interest in church by creating kind of a, a condensed version of the message that highlights the relevancy of Jesus. And we want to film that off-site at locations that people will recognize around town. This will serve as a new front door for our church to reach people who would otherwise not even come close to watching a church service. We want to provide calling workshops to help people understand how God has uniquely gifted them and how can, they can take their learned skills and put them to work meeting the needs of our local community. We want to provide a hub of digital information that would be helpful for families raising children or for marriages that need tools to make their relationship better. And then we want to take those tools and we want to push those resources out throughout our community through Facebook, Instagram, and Google ads. We want to partner with the company that is creating the He Gets Us campaign. Uh, you might have seen the ads. They've been running uh, during all of the different collegiate um, football games, professional football games. They've been running the professional uh, soccer games. We want to partner with that organization to build out a ministry that enters into conversations with people that are local to our area that are responding to those ads. We want to show up in neighborhoods with Easter egg hunts, summer block parties, fall pumpkin carvings, and driveway Christmas Eves, all with the goal of starting a simple, non-threatening Bible study in the neighborhood that people who are far from God would actually be interested in attending. These are highlights, and there are a lot of smaller components attached to each one of these, but they are designed to provide that for people that are here but also to prepare for people who are not yet here. And all throughout the week, we're, we're going to be using all of our digital channels, texting, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, emails. We want to talk in detail about these plans. We're going to be interviewing ministry leaders. We're going to be interviewing staff. We're going to be giving practical examples. We're going to go live with thoughts. We're going to be sending out prayers and answering questions, talking to our ministry partners. If you want access to any of those things, you need to sign up for that communication simply by going to nextlevelchurch.org slash events. Once you're there, you'll see a step in the gap uh, image or button. You click that, fill out that form, and you will be in the loop for all that we have planned for 2023. Now, like I said last week, everything has a cost. And for us to accomplish everything we have done in 2022, plus the new things God is calling us to in 2023, we have totaled that up and... It is $793,000, which is an increase of $373,000 over this year's budget. And that number, 373, is what we are calling the gap, right? This is where I want to challenge you to step in. I mentioned earlier all the sacrifices that people made to get this church started. But why would they do that? Because even though they do not know you, they wanted to create a place where you could find and live out the full life of Jesus. They believed in preparing a place for people that were not yet here. So much so that they sacrificed. 19 years ago, they looked out onto the fields and they saw through the eyes of Jesus the field that ripe with harvest. 
People struggling with hurt and anxiety. People desperately needing hope. People being destroyed from the inside by bitterness and unforgiveness. They saw people who mistrust, mistrusted uh, organized religion. People who desperately wanted to be a part of something bigger in their life. They saw people who wanted to make a difference where they went to church. People who were needing a church where their story was safe. And for that harvest, they were willing to make huge sacrifices. Several of them sold their homes in South Florida, where one of the founding pastors are from. And they moved from Florida to here in Charlotte. A couple of them sold their businesses. Others committed massive portions of their savings, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. Others took a risk on this new church. And they moved their families from established churches to this upstart that met in a middle school gym. Dozens and dozens woke up every Sunday morning before 5 a.m. to arrive at the school and set it up for a church service. And dozens more would stay late into the afternoon to pack it all back up just to turn around and do it again in seven days. And so now, 19 years later, here we sit in a building, on a campus, that was built on the sacrifices of others before us. People many of us never knew. And today, God has laid before us our own challenge that would require sacrifice. God may not be asking us to sell our homes and move three states away, but he is asking us if we trust him nonetheless. To reach that goal, to bridge that gap, we will all have to step out in faith and show that we trust God. Some of you are going to start giving for the very first time, and that is awesome. For some of you, it's, you're going to go way out of your comfort zone financially. You're going to take the biggest step of faith you have ever taken in your finances. And again, I, I know that that's scary, but it's awesome. And if that's you, you don't know it yet, but you're about to grow more spiritually than you have ever grown in your life. We may have to sacrifice. We may have to give up vacations. We may have to postpone large purchases, take a serious look at how much we spend on things that we could do without. And like those before, we may be asked to give huge chunks of our savings. Twice in my marriage, Jody and I have been asked by God to completely empty our savings and give to a kingdom project. Both times we were scared to death. Both times we were not 100% sure that this was the smart thing to do. But both times we did it. We stepped into the gap, and we gave. And here's what I've learned. You can never, never, ever, ever outgive God. He never lets us down. Uh, he was always generous towards us afterwards. And I'm not saying that giving to God is like buying a lottery ticket. I'm just saying he will never let you down. This church was built on sacrifices like that, built on people just like you and me who bravely asked what God would have them to do and then somehow mustered up the strength and the courage to do it. So here's what I want us to do right here. I want you to go 19 years into the future with me. All right, let's go to 2041. I will be 72 years old. Some of you that are high schoolers will be 36, and you will have your own middle school children. In 2041, there will be a group of people who call Next Level Church their home. None of us know who the people will be that are sitting in these seats in 2041, but God does. 
He already knows the lives that will be saved, the marriages that will be saved, the children that will grow up and have their own kids. God knows the kids that are here now, that 19 years from now, will be serving as ministry leaders. He knows the students that are here now that will be pastors in this very church. In 2041, there will be a host of people here worshiping, loving Jesus, growing in their faith, and making a massive impact on our community. All because... We chose to sacrifice today and head out into the field that is ripe for harvest. Without a doubt, there will be people in heaven who we have never met who will walk up one day and say, thank you. Thank you for praying. Thank you for getting involved. Thank you for stepping out in faith to invest in what God wanted for me. So, in two weeks, on November 20th, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to come together and we're going to make a commitment. We're going to join our brothers and sisters from 19 years ago, and we're going to sacrifice and take steps of faith. We're going to write down what for some of us is a big, scary number, that by faith we are committing to give to God in 2023. And then we're going to take those cards and we're going to give them to Jesus. That's our sacrifice for next year. We're going to celebrate after that what God is going to accomplish next year through our faith commitment, and it's going to be an amazing day. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. But for now, would you be brave enough to pray and ask God what he would like you to do? Let's do that together. Heavenly Father, first thing, I want to thank you for the people that came before us those that you call to sacrifice and create what we call Next Level Church. Uh, they have set before us an, an excellent example to follow. And now as we face a budget that seems impossible to us, I know it's not impossible for you. And now, Jesus, I sit in your presence and I ask that your Holy Spirit speak to me personally and clearly. Jesus, what would you have me do? What sacrifices do you require of me? How would you have me step into the gap with my giving? Jesus, let me be fueled by the faith of those before me. Let me see the harvest in the field the way you see it. Give me the strength and courage to do something I've never done before. Speak to me, inspire me, use me to make kingdom impact that will be felt all the way to 24. Give me the courage to act in faith as I know my sight is limited, but your sight is perfect. Let me be reminded that even now you own the cattle on a thousand hills and I could never outgive you. And even if I am scared, let me know you are the one asking and you are the one who will be with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, hey friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to somebody you know, maybe you want to share some of the things we want to do next year, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, you are helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And along those lines, could I also ask you to head over to our website, nextlevelchurch.org slash give. You don't got to wait till 2023 to give here. You can go there, choose one of those options, and know that your faithful support helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Well, as we begin to wrap up our time here, let me read to you by way of benediction that verse from John chapter 4, verse 34, where Jesus says this. He explained, my nourishment 
comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. May you, this week, understand your what and your why. May you do the will of God and step into the field that is ripe for harvest. Hey guys, have a blessed week. We're going to see you on all of our social channels every day this week. Uh, Just know, no matter what you got going on in your life, I love you and I'm praying for you.